Provoke podcast is brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialists, Marketeers. Support for this podcast comes from Notified, the integrated, intelligent and easy-to-use PR software. Get a free demo today at Notified.com. Hi, I'm Arthi Shaw, Executive Editor for Provoke Media and host for today's episode. So over many years of judging PR campaign awards, the metric that seems to resonate most strongly with judges is, did this campaign change behavior? And it seems the most powerful way to say, yes, it did, is to show that the PR campaign somehow contributed to revenue generation. So on today's episode, we're gonna look specifically at one component of of revenue generation, and that's lead generation. We're gonna look at five ways that PR can, and arguably should, be involved in lead generation, specifically for B2B companies. So this is part of a bigger series, which I'll link to in the show notes that we did in partnership with Pan Communications called Rebuilding a New Future for B2B PR and Marketing. So to have this conversation, we have two fantastic thinkers and speakers. We have Susan O'Brien, who is VP of Marketing and Communications at Thousand Eyes, which is part of Cisco, and Nikki Festa O'Brien, who is SVP at Pan Communications. And I should say there is no relation between Susan and Nikki, even though they have the same, even though they're both O'Briens. Welcome, Susan and Nikki. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, so, so, so the way that, that we'll have this conversation, and just for our listeners as well, I will set things up by giving a reason that PR should be involved in lead generation. And you all tell me if you agree or disagree. And, and either way, just feel free to elaborate um, on, your, on your response. This is gonna feel a little bit like a game show. Okay, well then. O'Brien versus O'Brien. O'Brien versus <laughs> O'Brien. Bring it on, like bring it on. Like listeners, <laughs> the listeners should be keeping score. Um, okay. <laughs> All right, so we'll, we'll just to, to kick things off, let, let's, let's, let's talk about the world that we're living in and how changed it is. 2020 changed the game. All, you know, obviously conferences, in-person activations, they were canceled for 2020. <laughs> Many of them are getting canceled for 2021 now. Um, and this sort of shifted the focus and, and did open up an opportunity for Pierre to be involved in lead gen. Susan, I'll start with you. Agree, disagree? I mean, how can I disagree that 2020 <laughs> changed the game? I mean, wow. I mean, I think first thing that I got I have to put out there on this topic is that I really believe that we're all in service of sales, right? We wouldn't exist as a company if we weren't trying to sell our product, right? And so we have to be in alignment with the demand generation team, the sales team ultimately, and we have to be doing our part to all be rowing our boats in the same direction, right? And I think one of the best things a PR person can do in their career is to understand demand generation and even the sales cycle, right? Because once you understand it, you can lens every single planning decision through it. So when we look at what happened in 2020, wow, in-person events being gone was a huge blow. Like the percentage of plan lead capture that usually comes from in-person events is massive. And so this was really a time for PR to shine, actually. This was a time when we could start to think like, how do we get all hands on deck? What gated content can we repurpose into contributed articles that could drive to a full download? How can we connect timely news lines to existing assets? Or, or do we need to work with DG to create new assets to kind of to get to that win-win sort of thing? The one thing I will say is that scale was the hardest thing to replace here, right? <laughs> uh, in-person event 
could drive anywhere from, you know, 50 leads to 5,000 leads, depending on the show that you were at. So I think really the only way that we can get to PR helping address that scale gap that we had there is, is with integrated communications. And I know we're going to talk about that in a little bit as well. Okay, Susan, I'm going to have one follow-up question for you to your point about scale. With, you know, moving things online, could you at least increase the quality of leads that you were getting, even if the quantity wasn't comparable to in-person? That's a great question. I mean, it depends if you're hitting the right places where your audience need to be, right? You know, I think that when you think about things like putting contributed articles out of there, yes, of course you can measure UMVs and all that kind of stuff, but is it the publications that your target audience are, are reading and ultimately are you compelling them to hit over to your website and download that asset and actually fill a form? That's where it's a lot more difficult than, you know, what you would get in an in-person event. Nikki, Nikki, what are your thoughts on on whether 2020 changed changed the yeah. game of those events? You know, in so many ways, this time period, while I would never want it to have happened this way, or nor could we have ever predicted it, it, it was kind of validating um, for us as an agency and you know, as you know, as a as a team. Because um, this is a cautionary tale we've been telling for a really, really long time, which is if you don't have the right infrastructure for lead capture in more than one channel and across and in more than one way, this will happen. And this was that moment where, you know, people felt like, oh, you know, that's for a rainy day or, you know, you're kind of being dramatic or, or whatever the case may be. It, there it was. There was that moment where, um, you know, the load time on their website mattered. Um, the lack of content, quality content on their website mattered. The lack of CTAs mattered um, because they, you know, they had leaned on this crutch for so long, these events and the ability to scale and quickly and easily kind of capture what they need. So um, I definitely agree. And uh, it was it was the PR agencies that these companies turned to when they couldn't get there. So we know that it's a part of it because, because that's who they went to exactly. They said, okay, well now what do I do? And you've been telling me about this for a while. Well, put your money where your mouth is. You know? <laughs> and let's see what happens when you do something different. And it really separated um, the brands into leaders and laggards, like immediately. It was just a complete and total divide I had to set up that infrastructure. Yeah, yeah. No, you, you touched a little bit on kind of a couple of the other points that I want to I want to raise. So let's. Oh uh, yeah. I'll move on to point number two, and, and okay. <laughs> you can start with this one. Um, earned media and quality content boosts SEO to lead generating assets. Yes, uh, I do believe that earned media um, and quality content boosts SEO and lead generating assets. I repeated that because your audio cut out. Um, and I think it's about, you know, if a tree falls in the forest and no one hears it, did it fall? It's the same principle here. Um, if you, you could create the most compelling piece of content, you can even market it really well. But if you're marketing to the exact same group of people all the time, or um, would have the education on what the brand does or why whatever this piece of content or, or whatever you're trying to market is useful, you know, it's gonna get really lonely. Uh, it's gonna be that lonely tree in the forest that fell and nobody saw it. Um, so, so many clients, they took the time during this past you know, year, year and a half to work on things like their website, their company messaging, their branding, their content marketing strategy, and rightfully so. Um, you know, 
what is the point of a pretty well-spoken website if there's no traffic going to it? And that's what PR can do. It can bring new eyeballs to the same old content or new content to the website. And, you know, it's so important that as you go through that funnel, that you're taking them on a journey once they get there. Um, so it's, it's so intrinsically linked. I can't even imagine a conversation where I'm only talking about the byline or the, or the media opportunity without talking about where are they going? What's the point of that? And what does, is there a red thread message that runs through it all so that they understand at the end of the day what they're buying and why they should be buying it? Susan? I, yeah, I wanted to add something. You made a really good point there, Nikki. And I think um, an adjacent point I would make to this, to this one is that you cannot underestimate or undervalue SEO, right? You should have a very good relationship with your SEO lead to make sure that you are ranking on the keywords that you need and want to be found for. And you need to understand Google is a source for journalists, right? Twitter is a source for journalists. If you want to be found to be an expert on, you know, point X, you need to have that content on your website. You need to have thoughtful blogs about it. And this is huge win-win for you because this gets you to a point where journalists find you, where they don't even have to talk to you. They don't even have to pick up the phone. They can hyperlink your article. They can, you know, use you as a source and you can find it in your Google alerts the next day because you did a good job at laying the digital breadcrumbs to be findable by journalists. Yep. All right, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna move us on to number three. I think you both made some very excellent points there. Um, so we're now living in a channel neutral world, right? So PR can and should play at any stage of the funnel. Uh, the idea being that PR um, can use all of the tools that we consider to be part of the marketing mix to reach and persuade all stakeholder groups. That includes um, including customers, right? Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there. And Susan, I'll let you jump in. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I mean, tofu isn't enough, right? Thought leadership isn't enough. Just those thought leadership bylines, just talking about the narrative at a really high conceptual level, isn't going to do much to drive you down to lead gen, right? The, the whole point of this conversation here. You have to think about how do you get to that middle of funnel content? How do you get to that bottom of funnel content? And how do you connect the dots here, right? So let me give you an example. You know, last year around the time when the pandemic was starting to um, take hold, we were doing some research about what is driving traffic to our free trial, which is, you know, a high intent bottom, bottom of funnel offer that we have here. And we really quickly found that there was this concept that we have called the share link, and it allowed you to get into our product and see what's happening on the internet, you know, when Twitter goes down, say, or when your, your Google goes down, your Gmail goes down, et cetera, kind of thing. Why is this breaking? And what we thought really quickly was, hey, we should really put together a podcast about this, right? Where every week we talk about what's breaking on the internet and why, and we walk through these share links that we have. And we use that, we put it in social media, in the blog post about the podcast, et cetera. And very quickly we would see that, you know, we would point journalists toward this, right? <laughs> we would share it with uh, them, our customers, it would go email it to our database sort of thing. But look, I mean, that came out of a comms initiative of how do we connect the dots between PR comms, you know, and uh, owned media, right? And and bottle of fun bottom of funnel type offers. So that's that's a quick example I can share there. Yeah, it's a great example too because it's all about the source of of that information, right? The source, what, where's you know, where's this data coming from? Where is it originating? And you know, being able to 
like you said, the breadcrumbs, retrace your steps and say, okay, so this person started here. How do I make the most of that? And um, I have a similar example. Uh, One of the clients that we work with in the DevOps space, we always start our programs off with a digital visibility audit. You know, what, what are all the numbers that we need to know that we need to impact and let's benchmark them now. So this is where you started. And now in six months and a year, we're going to revisit these numbers and we're going to show improvement. But I, I never understand, you know, why people wouldn't think about PR in the same data-driven way they would think about anything else. What would be the point in starting to get media coverage on topics without looking at what topics are going to make an impact for that company and where it should be placed. So when we did that, we actually found, um, we did find the media sources that seem to be driving it at least to date. Um, But we also found a couple of channels that were really interesting. And one of them was YouTube. And it was, it kept coming up. It was number one, the DevOps community. I'm sure you see that at Cisco as well. And when we, when we looked even deeper into it, the YouTube page like wasn't good. It, you know, these are videos that were six, seven years old, but they had thousands of views because of the quality of that content and what that community, that DevOps community was looking for. So the first thing we did is we scrapped the comms plan that they were asking us to create for them. We actually created a comms plan that we thought would move the needle for the data that we just benchmarked. And that was an aha moment, I think, for everybody at the table that, you know, the, the playbook has to be really custom, really different depending on the information and depending on the data that you're able to attain and that you know will work based on the, um, the customer behavior. Right, what excellent examples from, from both of you. Um, which, uh, so my, my fourth point will be um, customer stories drive sales. Nikki. Sure. What does sales tell you? And it's all about meeting your customer where they are, right? What problem they're looking to solve? What product do they admire? What meal can they simply not live without um, having when they're at a restaurant? Whatever it is, it doesn't, you know, we, we both, Susan and I work in a B2B space, um, but that doesn't mean that B2C concepts don't apply. And at, at the end of the day, you need to show a reflection of your buyer um, and why it's a solution that would work for them. And customer stories and a wide swath of customer stories does that in the best possible way. And also finding sort of interesting lessons that you can teach them from other industries. Um, one of the best keynotes I ever saw is they gave this whole example about um, a train conductor and something that, you know, a challenge he had on sort of um, train times and, and picking people up. And it was, it was a really interesting story that had absolutely nothing to do with anybody in the audience. But he walked through what he learned from that challenge in such an interesting way. And he turned out to be a customer of, of the brand that was putting on the event. And I thought, wow they had to dig really deep for that customer story. And it was one that resonated with everybody in the room because the the problems that he had was such an omnipresent issue of how do you know the right time and the right place? And um, that always stuck with me because the customer story should always be answering your number one, two, and three questions that every single prospect would come to your site to solve. And then the telling the good story behind it that will sell it every single time. It doesn't have to be 
you know, the exact same problem. It's about finding the exact right problem and then the exact right solution. Right, right. I think those universal stories are so key. We always get mm. back at our events that some of the best keynotes we have are from outside of the industry um, because you can kind of learn some of the best practices from, from other sectors. Um, Susan. Yeah, no, I mean, I, who's going to argue this point, right? Of course, customer stories drive <laughs> But I mean, look, if we think about it in the context of lead gen, this is indirect, right? This is, you know, but you know, it's something that when you land it, sellers will share it, right? Like this is the one type of content that they will actually go out of their way to proactively send an email, make sure it goes to the right people, gets in front of the right, you know, eyeballs. But one other point I wanted to make on this is, especially given, you know, point one, you made 2020 kind of game, change the game here. And, and going back to the idea that we're all on the same team and we all want to row in the same direction. There's a trade-off conversation to be had here. I don't know about you, but you know, most companies, um, uh, Nikki, I bet you would agree, they struggle to get customer stories, right? Yeah. <laughs> it is not easy. And one of the things that, you know, is a little hard to do when you, you know, come from PR and storytelling and you really just want to like keep that customer close to your heart. A harder thing to do is to say, well, what's going to be best for the business? What if I hand over this customer to the demand generation team and we, we run a webinar off of them instead and we do a webinar interview with them? And then I'm going to invite journalists to that. And then I'm going to write derivative content off of that. I'm going to write a blog, right? I'm going to, we're going to create infographics, whatever sort of thing. How do we do the slice and dice off of it and make it a win, win, win kind of scenario versus just kind of like, let's keep it for me. Let me get my one, you know, little customer story hit and I get to check my box for my, you know, OKRs for the year kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, just that the, the various teams need to speak to each other, right? Because sometimes the, 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 the PR, mm -hmm. Going back to the point about channel being channel neutral, right? I mean, the, the the PR idea of what a traditional story is may not be applicable, and it may not be most comfortable for the customer either. Um, all right, so so is is this just the natural? Okay, this is this is point five. I feel like I should build it up a little bit. Um, is is this just the natural outcome of integrated communications? Susan, I'll start with you. I mean, yeah, uh, you know, integrate, integrated comms is the dream, right? It's it's a lot harder to execute on, especially the bigger the organization that you're in, the harder it is to execute on, right? You may be lucky to get, you know, one or two really strong integrated comms campaigns in a year. Lucky, right? <laughs> you know, but if, if you take the time to do this and do it well, nobody's going to ask for the ROI on PR. It's 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 just self-evident there, right? Like PR lifts up the narrative. It drives the asset. It keeps the drumbeat going after day one with derivative content, derivative pitches, and everybody is happy. Yes, <laughs> it is the natural outcome out of integrated comms. Nikki? Yeah. And, you know, I, I feel like our, um, our hands were forced, though, we were willing participants um, to move in this direction. Uh, at PAN, we have a robust integrated marketing department, a creative department, a content department, a media department, and then there's the generalists, right? The, the PR practitioners that sit across all of it. And we're driving this, this integrated communications agency. And we had to do it because that's what our customers, our customers were asking us for, right? They didn't want, um, you know, 10 hits and, and send them over and kind of call it a day. They were asking for more. They were asking us questions you just simply couldn't answer unless you knew how to analyze the data that they got on their website, which is nothing to do with pitching media, 
right? So, you know, you build a data analytics department, you start building out all these different facets to start serving the needs of the customers. You know, we're also, you know, trying to sell uh, our own services and products. So um, a really interesting example that we found that kind of, I think, proves the mission, the integrated communications mission statement, um, which is we came up with a concept called the pan pod. And what we did is we grabbed someone from all those different disciplines and we bring them together at the beginning of a plan for, for a client. So um, for example, if Susan were to come to me and say, you know what, these are the three objectives that I have for this year. These are the KPIs that we need to impact. What are you going to do about it? The first thing I do is grab my pod, right? I grab someone from creative, someone from integrated marketing, data team, someone from content, someone from media, and then you, you know your general practitioners that sit on on Susan's team, and we'd say, okay, here it is, guys, and here's what they do. What are we going to do about it? And what the outcome is an end-to-end campaign, and that's what you were touching on, Susan, right there. You get two to three of them a year, but having them designed um, as as your actual plan so that you're not getting media results. You're getting media results that support this campaign, which is driving towards this goal and this result. And it's, you know, there's, everyone has some sort of exit event or milestone moment within a year. Maybe it's funding, maybe it's an acquisition, maybe it's earnings, maybe whatever it is. Maybe it's simply a product launch or a product update, whatever it is, that's, that's the focus. That's the center point. And the campaign is what makes it really sing because it's not just about executing on that or fulfilling one of those needs. It's about making it have an impact that in turn turns to sales, right? That's that lead gen. That's the goal. That's the from top and bottom. Doesn't matter. It's not really a funnel anymore. It's just all in and it's all out. So, um, that's, that's my spiel, I guess, for the pan pod, but also for really bringing the disciplines to the table. Right. And that's what integrated communications is. Yes, absolutely. Well, I mean, there you have it, right? You know, five reasons, if, if, you have, if you had any doubts, five reasons why PR should be involved in lead generation, as well as some really compelling examples. So thank you, Susan, and thank you, Nikki, for coming on and sort of, you know, bringing this to our, to, to our listeners. Yeah, thanks for having us. It was fun. Yeah. Thanks yeah. so much. Brian first or Brian out. Brian versus, oh, well, you know what? In, in the comments, I want our listeners to tell us who won. Of course, I think it was a tie. I think you both were brilliant. Um, <laughs> well, well, thank you again. And thank you to our listeners. And we will be back soon with another episode. been listening to the Provoke podcast brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialists marketeers. Support for this podcast comes from Notified, the integrated, intelligent and easy to use PR software. Get a free demo today at notified.com.